Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. This is Liz Booker with a literary aviatrix author's note from writers whose work features women in aviation and other experts in the field of writing and publishing. This one is from season one, episode 20, in my conversation with Amy Goodpaster Streeby. In it, she talks about publishing her master's thesis, which was a comparative study of the women Air Force service pilots and the women who flew for Russia during World War II. The final product was entitled Flying for Her Country. So you decided on the thesis, you decided what you were going to study, then how did you go about the research? Was it all academic or did you travel to Russia for it? I wasn't able to travel to Russia for my thesis, unfortunately. Didn't have the time or the resources for that. But actually, since I did a comparative study, I was able to find enough information to be able to do that. So for the for the American side, for the WASP side, I contacted Texas Women's University which they have a wonderful archive on the WASP. And uh, so I was able to uh, work with them for materials. Also just, uh, you know, obviously I read everything I could get my hands on um, that's been written on the WASP. And I think I, for, for the book, I interviewed one WASP, Jean Harmon, since we were living in the Bay Area. She lives um, or lived in uh, Menlo Park. And so she was actually the only wasp that I was able to uh, meet and interview for, for the book. I was curious to understand how you went from a master's thesis to a published book. And is that normal for an historian? Do you always publish your thesis? Because it um, seems like you published it under two different presses, correct? Right, right. So the hard, so first it came the hardcover. Um, Prager Security International um, published my my first the, the in hardcover, and then I was lucky enough a few years later, Potomac Books, um, my editor, actually my acquisitions editor, liked my book enough to sell it. When she moved over to Potomac Books, she had them buy the rights, and and it became a paperback which I was really grateful for, especially since they had priced my hardcover like ridiculously high. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, not selling a lot of copies. I mean, I think yeah. it was like $50 or something, which is, I'm like, what? So the paperback was great. I was actually able to put more photos into it. And then, you know, I think it was like under $20. So it was much easier to um, promote and to sell. So I was really happy about that. But yeah, you know, it's funny after I got my degree, and my, and my thesis was published, I just kind of thought it was kind of more of a lark. It was like, you know, I've done all this research and I'm proud of my research and my thesis was really well received by my professors and the university. So I thought, you know, why not? Why try, why not try and, um, you know, get it published? And I had 
written, you know, um, my first book, Desert Dogs, The Marines of Operation Iraqi Freedom. So I did have some publishing, you know, credentials to my name. So that makes it a little bit easier. I think once you've, you've published something, um, makes it a little easier to, you know, kind of continue that. So, yeah, so I just, you know, I sent it to probably like half a dozen. I did some research on what publishers, you know, do specifically history, you know, women's history, aviation history. And yeah, within a couple of months, I was able to kind of start that process, which I was really grateful for. And um, it was exciting. It was really, really nice to kind of be able to share my work with a wider audience. Cause I, I don't, you know, it's a sad thesis are put in, 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 you know, the university's library and probably don't get read much. Right. So, right. so that was, that was really exciting. You've already talked a little bit about the opportunities that you received from having written it to meet the history that you wrote about, but in what other ways has publishing this book affected your life? Well, it's funny, you know, I, I never really thought, you know, that, that I would still be writing um, and, 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 you know, talking to people about women in aviation. I, I think it kind of, the book kind of became a little bit, I don't know, it kind of extended the life of it, being able to do these events, which I was so, so happy to be able to do, to moderate, you know, WASP panel discussions. Um, I did several of those, uh, one with uh, the Air Forces. They have an annual like air and space conference in Maryland that um, I got to do. Also, uh, it was an exciting one in, in Seattle, at the Air Museum in Seattle. I moderated a, a panel of uh, the Soviet air women. And that was that was really exciting because we had to deal with a translator who's actually a friend of mine. And I'd met her in Moscow. And it was interesting because Galina Brokbeltsova, who was it was featured in my book, she's one of the um, she was one of the navigators in the dive bomber regiment, and she's a sweetheart. I just I just loved her, and she was so excited and had so much enthusiasm and passion for what she was what she was talking about in her time, you know, during the war. And she would just talk and talk and talk and talk. And Fidan, who was the translator, you know, she she would just, you know, she'd try to catch up, but the audience would just laugh because there's like they knew that, you know, she just she couldn't capture everything, you know, the, the essence of um, such so a, you know, she tried to get as much as she could, you know, translated into English. But but it was it was a it was a really great experience. And it was really wonderful that the that the Russian women were able to come to the United States and, you know, and share their stories with with American audiences. So I was wondering if what advice you would have for um, either a student of history, uh, someone who's in an academic setting who chooses to do research on an unexplored topic uh, about featuring women in aviation, or you know somebody who just has an interest in some character in our history who has not been well researched before. What advice do you have for them? Well, I think you know. You know, usually if you're, if you're interested in a topic, um, you know, you obviously go to the library and you get like as much, you know, um, you know, it seems old fashioned going to the library, I guess. <laughs> I guess they do exist still. But, you know, obviously you probably go online. Okay, You Google first and you'd find, you know, find all the information and then, you know, kind of start building up your resources. Obviously, primary sources are the best because those are the, the eyewitness, the ones that are written by those people and 
Speaking uh, of which, I do want to call out the um, the extensive bibliography at the back of your book. You have oh, a lot you. of resources listed there for people if they want to go to source material or other reference material on, on the topic. Oh, yeah. And I, I love bibliographies. I'm one of those like strange people. I actually read people's bibliographies. I Especially when really interesting. I'm like, ooh, I want to check that out. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's my kind of rabbit hole. You know, people talk about yeah. the internet. Like I can go down... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's great because it's like, you know, people people can like actually go there and like, you know, just kind of start the research. So, yeah. And that and that's another great thing. You know, be able to, you know, not only look at the book, but look at where the author got some of their information. And, um, you know, so that's that's also really important. And then, you know, I mean, if you're lucky enough to be in a subject where the people, um, the subject matter are still alive and there's still some of them, then by all means, try and and make contact with them if you can, because that, you know, and also just being able to get research that hasn't been written, hasn't been recorded yet. Um, unfortunately, with our World War II folks, you know, so many of them have passed away and we have very few of them left. Um, you know, so I, I'm really, I mean, I kind of wish I'd done my research maybe 10 or 20 years a little bit earlier, so I would have caught more of them, you know. <laughs> But I'm very grateful that I did when I did, because the more if I waited, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to actually meet them and um, you well, know, share wanna, a lot of experiences. In that context, I do want to say, yeah, um, you know, it, you we ha- are losing our World War II veterans, but their families, um, you know, their legacies are still here. Some of them. And, and I know that Sarah Byrne Rickman has been able to do some of her research that way by contacting families who had either diaries or letters. Oh, yes. Yes, memoirs and absolutely. Yeah, and so that's another way to maybe get access to primary to source material. Definitely. 